I'm Deacon Frederick Bartels. My blessings to you on this glorious day, the solemnity of the Most Holy Trinity. What does it mean to say that God is a trinity of persons? And where did this belief come from, this dogma of our faith? In fact, the Trinity is the foundation of our faith, the foundation of the Christian religion. Where did this dogma come from? Its origin is God himself. The Son of God incarnate, our Lord Jesus Christ, revealed the inner mysterious secret of God's own interior life to his people, to the church. Jesus Christ, who is the fullness of God's divine revelation, who is the perfect image of God, has communicated this mystery to his church. And it's been held as the deposit of faith in the church since her beginning. The church has transmitted this dogma throughout the ages and throughout the centuries and has defended it against a number of heresies that have cropped up. So the dogma of the Holy Trinity is a matter of the deposit of faith in the church. It passed from Christ to the apostles under the guidance of the Holy Spirit and it continues to be cherished and guarded in the church under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, who is the soul of the church. That means that we Catholics are unique in our belief about God. We believe God is tripersonal, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three divine persons who all equally possess one divine nature, the divine nature of God. This is a uniquely Catholic belief. Mormons do not believe in the Trinity. Islam does not teach the Trinity. Buddhism, Hinduism, the Jewish faith does not believe in the Holy Trinity. Other Christians, our Protestant brothers and sisters, they indeed do believe in the Trinity. They are our Christian uh, brothers and sisters. Why do they believe in the Trinity? Well, many will say, well, because it's a biblical doctrine. Well, yes, it is biblical. But it's not that easy to make sense of the Trinity and to pull that dogma from Scripture by reading Scripture alone. In fact, the word Trinity does not appear in the Bible, which presents a little bit of a problem for the Protestant doctrine of Sola Scriptura. The word Trinity was first used by Tertullian in the early part of the third century. But our Protestant brothers and sisters believe in the Holy Trinity. Why? ultimately because all Protestant denominations trace their roots to the Catholic Church. Our Protestant brothers and sisters are connected to the Church, though imperfectly. We say that they are in imperfect communion with the Church. They lack full union with the Church, but they are connected. And this is a matter of history. We can look into history and we can see that in the early part of the 16th century, Protestantism began. Prior to that date, there was no such thing. So our Protestant brothers and sisters who practice the Christian religion transmitted by the church believe in the Holy Trinity. Now let's talk a little bit about the dogma itself. Let's go back before time. Let's travel back to eternity. In eternity, we find God the Father and the Father generates His Son. 
As we say in the Nicene Creed, God from God, light from light, true God from true God. The Son of God is the only begotten Son of the Father. Think for a moment about when you look at a mirror. You see your image reflected in the mirror, and it's an amazing replica of yourself, but it's not a perfect image of yourself. It's only two-dimensional. It is a mirror. God the Father, however, because of his infinite self-knowledge, generates a perfect image of himself, perfectly God. And this is the Son of God, the eternal divine Word of God. So the Son of God is generated by the Father. So we can say that if we were to uh, talk about the origin of the Son, we could say that his origin is in the Father. He is generated by the Father. And then the Father and the Son's love is so great that a third divine person proceeds from that love, the Holy Spirit. The third person of the Holy Trinity is the love of the Father and the Son personified. And this love, this infinite, extreme, superabundant love overflows into a creative act. God is the first order cause. The Holy Trinity is the first order cause of the creation of the physical universe, of all things visible and invisible. The physical universe is created. Science tells us it began with hydrogen and helium and stars formed and, and worlds, gas planets and terrestrial planets. Eventually, our first parents are created, Adam and Eve. But something happens. In the garden, Adam and Eve commit that terrible sin. They eat that terrible fruit and we have original sin. With original sin, their intellect is darkened, their will is weakened, death enters the world. They lose sanctifying grace. They lose the ability to live in heaven. And they are burdened by concupiscence, the tendency to sin. And all these negative effects, the deprivation of grace, darkening of the intellect, weakening of the will, the tendency to sin, all these negative effects are passed on to their posterity. We have, as a people, contracted the effects of original sin. We, as a people, have lost our ability to live in heaven. God himself had to act. The Holy Trinity had to act to restore our relationship with God. The Holy Trinity goes on a temporal mission of restoration, of recreation, to bring us back into union with the tripersonal God. The Father sends his Son. The Son becomes incarnate in the womb of the Virgin Mary, becomes man, begins his public ministry, gathers his apostles, he teaches them, he institutes the church, and he dies a saving death on the cross. He sacrifices himself on the cross by crucifixion in perfect obedience of his human will to his heavenly Father, and by this sacrifice, redeems humankind entirely, past, present, and future. He opens the way to salvation for all people. However, we must appropriate that salvation to ourselves by faith, by grace working through faith, by baptism, by the sacraments, we enter into the life of Christ. And then by grace, we live a moral life in Christ 
and we work for our salvation. Not that we do good works to be saved. We're saved by faith in Christ. Christ's sacrifice on the cross saves us. But God has prepared good works for us that we are enabled to complete through grace. These good works are prepared in and through and with Christ. And so in responding to God's gift of grace, we live a moral life and we do good works. And good works merit greater glory. We're not saved by works. We're saved by faith. We're configured to Christ by faith and baptism. We receive. We come into contact with the Holy Trinity through the sacraments. Okay. So, Jesus Christ died on the cross to redeem humankind and to save us. Everything hinges on Jesus Christ. The Holy Trinity sent him on a temporal mission of redemption and salvation, and Christ then desires to draw us into himself and return us back to the tripersonal God. When we attend Mass, for example, Mass is the action of the Holy Trinity. When we hear the scriptures read, we are hearing the Word of God by the power of the Holy Spirit. When we hear the Gospel proclaimed, we're hearing the words of the incarnate Son of God. When we receive the Eucharist, we receive Christ's body itself, the body, blood, soul, and divinity under the signs of bread and wine. Christ is sacramentally present under the signs of bread and wine. That's what the Eucharist is. When we receive the Eucharist, our mind is filled with grace and we receive a pledge of future glory, as Vatican II taught. The Eucharist makes us one with our Lord and Savior. Through the Eucharist, Christ is making us like himself. He's granting us a share in his own divine nature. He's drawing us up into the life of the Holy Trinity. That's why at Vatican II, the Council Fathers could say that throughout the Mass, our redemption is carried out. Through the Mass, our redemption is carried out. Okay, everything hinges on Jesus Christ. Therefore, it's essential that we develop a relationship of intimate communion with Him. Everything depends on this, and it's a whole new way of life. It's a way of life living with the tripersonal God. It's a joy-filled life. It doesn't mean it's a life without sacrifice or without suffering. But it's a new kind of life. We become a new creation in this relationship with Christ. Everything hinges on Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. So with that, let me leave you with words from our Holy Father, Pope Francis, found in Evangelii Gaudium, paragraph 3. I invite all Christians everywhere at this very moment to a renewal of personal encounter with Jesus Christ, or at least an openness to letting Him encounter them. I ask all of you to do this unfailingly each day. No one should think that this invitation is not meant for him or her, since no one is excluded from the joy brought by the Lord. The Lord does not disappoint those who take this risk. Whenever we take a step towards Jesus, we come to realize that He is already there, waiting for us with open arms. Now is the time to say to Jesus, Lord, I have let myself be deceived. 
In a thousand ways I have shunned your love, yet here I am once more to renew my covenant with you. I need you. Save me once again, Lord. Take me once more into your redeeming embrace. How good it feels to come back to him whenever we are lost. God bless you.